right. Praise the Lord. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Sunday night service. We're going to have an awesome time tonight. Amen. Who had a good time this morning as we blessed all of our high school graduates? Amen. Not all of them, but some of them anyway. So praise the Lord. That was a super cool time again to speak into their lives and lay hands on them and give them new Bibles. So really, really cool. Let's go ahead and stand up together tonight. We are going to open up by speaking some words of faith over our beloved United States of America because we absolutely believe that America is coming to Jesus. Amen. So let's go ahead and speak these words of faith together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's give the Lord some praise. And you may be seated this evening. All right, let's get into our announcements here because we got plenty going on and uh, we stay busy, but praise the Lord, it's all good. So uh, this coming Sunday is when we're going to have Ray and Janine bench with us, all right, all the way from Midland, Michigan. And it's going to be a fantastic time. And, of course, as I said this morning, Ray used to really help Dr. Barclay run the ministry there. And and uh, and then now he travels in his own ministry all over the world preaching the gospel. And we're excited that his wife, Janine, is coming her first time to Barstow. And she just doesn't really travel with him much at all. So we talked him into bringing her. And super cool. She's from South Africa. So she's got that awesome accent. So I'm just ready to hear her talk. It's going to be so cool. But anyway, uh, that's beside the point. Don't tell her I said that, okay? We don't want her think anything but it's going to be super super cool and on the saturday um the 21st she's going to be doing the young wives and moms meeting at pastor katie's house yes so all of you young moms and wives, if you've got uh, little ones, this group is mainly aimed at you. But come on out for that, and uh, she's going to encourage you and teach you some awesome godly insights about being a mom and a wife and all this. And uh, it's just a good time to, to get together and encourage each other and build each other up, because we all need that in different areas. Amen? And so don't miss out on that. And then Monday, the 23rd, is our Lyft family picnic at the park right? Yes. Lee, are you excited? Uh, she, she, she was excited about her birthday, but she's even more excited about the picnic at the park. Yeah. Yeah. She's going to bring us. Oh, hey, what? Okay. So uh, anyway, bring out some food that night and it's going to be to, you know, bring some for your family, bring a little bit to share and uh, some stuff for the kids. And we're just going to hang out and, uh, and have a good time being together as a family. So don't miss out. It'll be at H street park, 6.30 that night. It is going to be a really fun time, all right? And then as we get into June, uh, Sunday, June 5th is going to be the youth group cake auction for 2022. 
And this is, uh, this is just a really, it's a fun time, uh, but it's also a time that uh, really helps the youth group uh, raise the money for their summer trip that they're taking. And uh, so uh, we'll have a sign-up sheet soon, but it's not just cake. I mean, pies, you know, any dessert. It's just uh, a really good time. We auction them off at the end of the service, and it's going to help the youth because who knows that we need to be investing into our youth, right? You know, there's enough people complaining about the youth of today are so messed up. Well, stop that. We are changing that, and we're investing, and we've got godly youth at High Desert Word Center. Amen? And so we're going to change Barstow with them. So how about that? Take that. So it's going to be an awesome thing, and uh, so don't miss out on that. We'll have that together really soon. Who knows what time it is now? It is indeed happy time. You're right about that. So let's go ahead, and if you need an envelope, raise your hand. The ushers would love to give you one. And we're going to open our Bibles to Proverbs 21. Contain yourselves. It's getting, it's getting wild. Let's do it. Whoa, 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 whoa. You are at church. You be quiet. <laughs> Proverbs 21. And we're going to look here at verse 26 in the NLT. Proverbs 21, verse 26. Of course, if you're giving online, you can go to hdwc.org slash giving. But Proverbs 21 and verse 26, it says, Some people are always greedy for more. You know someone like that, that no matter how much they've got, they just they want more. And it's not so they can just help people. They're just greedy people. And so, yeah, some people are always greedy for more. But, hey, the godly love to give. Is there anybody here tonight that giving isn't just, it's not a burden. It's not something you do because you have to. You just, you love to give. And you're like, well, why do I love to give so much? You love to give because you're godly. That is an attribute of being a godly person. And so you're the type of person that, yeah, as we give, we know that Luke 6, 38 says, it's just going to be given back unto us. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And we, we understand that our motive for giving is not just so we can get back more. We know that. But as we are a godly giver, it's undeniable. The Word of God says that it is going to come back to you. You have every right to expect that, to claim that, and receive that, that, yeah, when you're a giver, it's coming back to you. Amen. And as a godly person, no one forces us to do this. No one twists our arm to be givers. We do it because the godly love to give. Say that with me tonight. The godly love to give. Amen. Well, let's stand up together. And we're going to speak some words of faith over our tithes and our offerings. And then we're going to get into some worship together tonight and get right into the Word of God. But man, you picked a good night to come to church. Amen? All right. Let's say this together. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, Growth in business, settlements, estates or inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go.
Feel free to join us at the altar tonight as we worship.
Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. How many want to see victory in your family? Amen. Amen. Want to see Jesus uh, showing you what to do and how to do it? Tonight we're going to talk about family uh, benefits of serving the Lord. Family benefits of serving the Lord. Everybody can be seated except for Joel and the Garcias. I want all the Garcias up here. Amen. Uh, That is the Jesse and Desiree Garcia family. There's a lot of Garcias in California, I know, but uh, you know, our, our mission statement for our church is, is something that's not just some nice words, but uh, 30 years ago, when Mrs. Pastor and I were starting off in pastoring uh, and seeking the Lord about what it was we wanted to accomplish in our church, it, it took a while to just really get a pinpoint down how to how to express it in words, but that's, that's uh, the, the very, very essence of a family church equipping God's people for victorious Christian living is what we are. As I'm watching uh, Ray Liana up there, I'm looking at my son Joshua lead, and then as my grandson Joel comes up from my Bible, I'm thinking, man, this is what it's all about. When I was Joel's age, uh, my, my family, my dad's brother, sister, all of them like that, our, our, our biggest things I got to see, instead of breaking a Bible up, I brought my dad a beer. Sit around listening to all of his brothers and all the, all, all the people in his realm of influence talk about who they beat up that week, who they cheated, how much they stole, and what they did, and how they outwitted the police, or somebody paid off some judge, and how they avoided getting out of jail, and getting in jail, and all those kind of things. Look at Joel and think, man, this is such a, such a change. The Samples family changed. Amen. I found out how to get out under the curse. And you don't think about the grandmas. Pastor Dave talked about my grandma Price this morning. I was thinking about back in the 1950s. I was telling Robert while ago in the 1950s, my grandpa was still alive. And grandpa and grandma picked us up for church. And then grandpa went to heaven and grandma kept on picking us up for church. And those seeds and those prayers kept to where now, this is the fruit of it. 
got generations to serve God now. And then, I thank you, Joel. And then, and then the Garcia family right here. I was sitting there looking at these guys, looking at Jezres, and, and look, looking at uh, uh, Rayliana. Think about, I'm still getting used to the California names, the Adrianas, the Rayliana's, and sometimes they all come together. But think about Rayliana. And think about this family right here, what I've watched in the last, I would say, probably 16 years. We've been here going on 17. And this whole thing started because back before I had this right here, when I looked more like this right here, I started desiring pizza. And so, Miss, not, not, I'm going somewhere with this to help all of you because now we're going to be talking about family. So here's the testimony before we get to the teaching of how the testimony comes to pass. And so the thing was, Mrs. Pastor, I didn't really know anybody here, and we spent a lot of time in the office around church because it takes a, it took a lot of people to replace what we did. Now we got a whole lot of people doing that. Back then we carried the whole load. <laughs> now a lot of people replaced us, but it started like this. We would be in here working, and all of a sudden we realized, man, we're hungry. I said, I, I want some pizza. What's that place? Pizza Palace. Let's go to Pizza Palace. We'll go down to Pizza Palace. They had this skinny little Mexican girl stand there behind the counter. And, and, and it's a true story, isn't it? And we'd walk in there and order pizza, and I, all I'm sitting there just hearing my belly growl, and I hear this, Hi, Pastor, how are you? And I'd, I'd look at Mrs. Pastor, and I'd try to be nonchalant, because, you know, when somebody's called you Pastor, you want to try to act cool. And so I say, Who is that? And then she'd tell me, like, yeah, so what, 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 Bye, Desiree, how are you doing? And we'd leave there. A couple weeks later, it was pizza time again. I said, let's go to Pizza Palace. Go down there, and the same thing had happened again. Hi, Pastor, how are you? And, you know, I, I had no idea who that was. And just kept skipping my mind because I was busy with other things. Well, let, let me have a sidebar on this one. In that same time period, one day after church on a Sunday morning, we went to go to Taco Bell in Linwood. Anybody remember the Taco Bell down there? And I pulled up to the window there, to the, to the speaker, and started ordering, and this voice says, how are you, Pastor? I said, <laughs> anyway, as another girl went to church here, she recognized my voice over the speaker. But anyway, that just that those things kind of happened, but you influence people. So anyway, then Desiree and Jesse started coming. And was, was he still in the womb or was he born yet? That, he, he was in the belly. Yeah, like that. And these other two were really, really little. And I've watched Jesse and Desiree for, I think, probably 16 years, somewhere thereabouts. 15, 16 years. I've watched these guys where they went. By the way, about the time they started coming, they had, they had been homeless people too. They lived in the motels on, on Main Street and it said, they're panhandling. And they, that's their testimony, so I'm not, I'm not ratting them out. I'm just showing you where they were to where they came to, and no matter where you are, where you can be. And so they started coming to church. I've watched them for all these years, watched Radiana grow up and develop into the woman she is today, and these young men over here. But the thing I can say, what I'm going to teach tonight, they listened to for all these years, and they put it into practice, they've got it, and now you got these people up here, and these kids will never be panhandlers. No, they'll never live on the streets. Well, see, my family is bootleggers and thugs, so we all talk about ourselves. we got history. Maybe all you guys were holy all the time, but some of us weren't. <laughs> Amen. And so this is a testimony. This girl up here, up here leading, I've got my eyes closed worshiping Jesus. Sound like an angel singing. I look at that's Rayliana up there. I look what she's done. Then I think about my son Joshua. Joshua started off with a prayer in Beach Grove, Indiana. 
we had been married just a short while, been married before, had a couple kids, and I was praying at my kitchen table one morning. We were newlyweds and said, Lord, do you want us to have any kids? Because we already had four, two apiece. And the Lord told me, I'll bless you if you do it, I'll bless you if you don't. We decided to have babies, and I think about how good Jesus is. He knew, he knew Joshua before he was born, but he wanted me and Mrs. Pastor to make the choice about our family, what we wanted to do. So we chose we wanted kids, and I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful we did because our kids, we're going to teach about this other Bible a little bit, our kids are warriors in our army with us to do what God wants to do. And this family right here, I know that Jesse and Desiree have went through some tough times these last few years, but who hasn't? Mrs. Pastor and I did, but these kids, they, they stayed faithful for Jesus while they were doing what they're doing. And now they are prospering in life. They are doing good. And now their kids are part of bringing the anointing into the ministry, a part of causing people to come to Jesus because people look at this family right here and they probably think things like, man, I wish my family could be like that. Well, this family wasn't always like that. My family wasn't always like that. But we've made choices. Now we're going to show you the choices tonight. And I know people are watching out here on the Internet. We're, you, we made choices. We'll show you how to make the right choices because choices have consequences, good or bad. They have consequences. But let's give a hand for the Garcia family. You guys are doing so good. Amen. Love you, Jess. Love you, man. A minute, 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 every word of it. Amen. And, and you know, I, th- I think about America. Uh, you can open up to Joshua 24 as we're, as we're talking. We're going to look at this 14 and 15. But I think about America and where we are. And, you know, some of us, some of us people have been around a little longer than others. But there's people in the congregation tonight, like Dan and Stacy and Frank and some of the different ones in here. We've been around longer than some of you. And, you know, I don't know exactly how California was back in the 50s, back in the 60s, but I can remember back in Indianapolis, Indiana, when I was growing up, they basically locked up the city on Sundays. You know, all the families didn't really go out to eat on Sundays because a lot of the restaurants in Indianapolis, they didn't have fast foods. I mean, that's something wasn't invented yet. But there was no restaurants open, and a lot of the gas stations weren't open either because people went to church. And even sinners didn't go to church. They knew that Sunday was God's day, and they didn't do it. Do you wonder why America has changed like it is? Why families aren't what they used to be? People just have no idea what it's like when you go to a public school back in the 50s that was probably more, 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 more well, I don't know what to say, except more, more godly religious than what some Christian schools are today. How would you like to, how would you like to go to a school, just a public school like I went to, and the teachers say, pull out your Bibles, students, I want to read Psalms 2 to you today and talk about it. I remember that in my school. And then every Thursday, every Thursday, I remember we went down to the, they called, they called it the auditorium's gymnasium. We have one big, one big room for everything. And on Thursday, all the classes went down and we sang Christian songs. We sang patriotic songs. We said the Pledge of Allegiance. We talked about how blessed we were to live in America in a public school. Do you think the schools have changed since then? (laughs) Well, you know what? When I started pastoring, the Lord gave me some different phrases I've used over the years. And one one of them is something like this, that we can change America one person at a time, starting with me, starting with you. 
You can't change everybody, but you can change yourself. And then I took it to the next step that we can change America one family at a time. My family changes because I change and choose to lead my family right. I look at the Garcias. I look at all you wonderful people here tonight and you out there watching tonight. When you make the choice you're going to change, then your family will follow you as you follow Christ. And then I take it to the next level. And then we can change America one church at a time. What's in a church? People. What's in a church? Families. And then one church at a time can change a city. One church at a time. So you get a godly person in a church, and then that person influences their family. They come to church. Then that church is full of godly people. That uh, church has a vision for what they can do to reach out to their community. However, God has them do that. And then you get each church in the community that becomes Jesus' conscience. And then the churches don't be concerned about growing the churches, taking other church people. They get concerned about our city, the condition of our city. And then the church begin to change. And then we change America then one city at a time. And then one county at a time. Then we change America one state at a time. It all starts with that one person in the church decides they're going to live right. Can you see what I'm saying? That's how things grow. I think about my family. I think about, I think about Joshua up there leading praise and worship. We didn't have any money much when we was raising the kids, but we had, we had a coffee can and pots and pans. He liked to watch the drummer in our church when he was a little bitty kid. We sent him to the kitchen floor and gave him some pans and a, and a, and a, and a coffee, empty coffee can and a spoon. And Josh starts off doing that. And then one Christmas we had some money to spend on the kids. And so for $25 we bought this little thing at this place called Children's Palace had just come into business. And for $25, which was a whole lot of money back then, that's back when $25 bought a month's worth of gasoline for the car, believe it or not. Hey, man, that's when $25, you filled up about three grocery bags to carry out instead of just having something in your hand and said, what did I buy? This been, wow. And so that was a big investment, but we knew, we knew there was something in Joshua. So for $25, we bought him a little gift, a little thing for Christmas. It had a little drum in it. It had a little uh, guitar in it. I don't remember what else it had. Did it have a little keyboard, Josh? You remember? I remember whatever it had. But anyway, look what he does now. Amen. And so don't think it doesn't make a difference how you raise your kids. We didn't do how I was taught, get up on Sunday mornings and go around and see what kind of booze was left and try to suck what was left up in the bottles they left laying around. That's how I was raised. But glory to God, things change. And so don't you, don't you think that, well, you know what? I just got saved later in life. This is where I am now. It's never too late. As long as you're breathing, you can change your family. Amen, but you, you've got to change. And so, and so Joshua 24, uh, verse 14, Joshua's getting ready to die. He's an, old, he's an old man. He's done his part. Matter of fact, he was 110 years old. And he's given admonition to the leaders of Israel, to the people of Israel. And he's telling some things about what he's learned. And that's kind of what I just did, tell you things. But I'm not going to die. I'm going to keep on living, but I'm older now, so I have seen some life. And so he says this, Now therefore, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth. In other words, don't be a phony. Don't be a hypocrite. Serve God. Be real in front of your kids. If you make mistakes, fess up to it and say, Kids, 
that was wrong what I did. I got in the flesh. I was stupid. I was wrong. Now, here's the right way to do it, kids. I'm going to ask Jesus to forgive me, and will you forgive me too? That's how I raised my kids. When I I did dumb things and wrong things and got in the flesh, I would draw my kids together in the living room with my wife. I'd say, kids, I want to tell you what Dad did. Dad just did was wrong. Maybe I blew up, temper fit, or whatever it was. Maybe he got stupid with my wife. I tell kids, that wasn't right, but I want to show you what is right. And then I'd open up the Bible to 1 John 1 9. I'd read it, and I'd say, I'm, I've asked Jesus to forgive me now. I'd go around, I'd go around, say, I'd say, Mom, will you forgive me? So I forgive you, Dad. I'd say, Joshua, will you forgive me? I'll forgive you, Daddy. And right on down the line like that. In other words, I showed my kids what to do. And so God knows you're real. Your kids know you're real. So don't be funny. I mean, don't be phony. If you do wrong to your kids, don't just keep going like nothing happened because then your kids will be thinking in life, that's what you do if you're stupid. Just don't worry about it. Keep being stupid. Amen. you got to show your kids how to live. Okay, it says, Put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and Egypt and served you the Lord. And so I realized when I got bored again, looking at verses like this, and when I looked at things like that, the gods your father served, I, I realized the gods that my dad my, and my mom and my family served wasn't the god that my grandma served. And so I chose, I wasn't going to serve the god of bragging about stupid things, about how much beer I could drink, how many people I could con, how mean I could be, what I could get away with. I decided the god that I was going to serve was the one that came into my heart on January 29, 1980, when I received Jesus. Amen? And so uh, I realized that if Jesus was real, that meant heaven had to be real. And if heaven was real, that meant hell was real too. And that if heaven and hell were real, and the Bible talked about eternal life, eternity, where there's no ending to time, where it goes forever and ever, that I, I realized, and I, I started thinking things like this, well, heaven's real, and hell's real, and eternity's forever, so I'm going to be serious about this. I'm not just going to be a church person. I'm going to be a Christian. But because I'm a Christian, I go to church. But I don't go to church to try to be a Christian. I go to church because I am a Christian. And then during the course of the week, I realized things like this. Well, if Jesus is in that church and the Spirit of God's in that church, he's in me, then he's in this truck I'm driving too. And if he's in there listening to those church people, he's out there listening to those guys in the break room too. And so I started changing how I talked and the things I talked about and who I talked about. So anyway, I rearranged my priorities to put serving God at the top of my list. Amen. I didn't just go to church because it was a good thing to do because I knew people that went to clubs and things. I mean, you know, I knew a lot, lot of veterans and people from Vietnam back then. And some of them went to the American Legion. Some went to VFW. They all went to things like that. They wanted to be about people that enjoyed the same things. Well, I knew that I wouldn't go to the VFW or the, or the American Legion, places like that. Number one, I wasn't a veteran. I wouldn't go, go to the Elks or the Moose or anything like that because they didn't have things in common with me. And so where could I go to be around people that had things in common with me? Only one place. It was church. So I began to arrange my schedule around church. That's what I did. I remember, I remember uh, back, back, when I, back, back when I first got saved, Nobody went to church without a suit on, as a man. And so I remember I went into my truck driving job. We had lockers in our, in our restroom, that big restroom of lockers. 
And us truck drivers had our own lockers to keep stuff in. Well, I, I, I'd wear my suit. I'd bring my suit and my tie and everything to church in the morning time when I clocked in. And I couldn't do anything with it except hanging on my lockers. And people looked at that suit all day long. And I remember I'd come in out of the truck, and I'd come in, I'd go to the bathroom there, and I'd change into a suit. And I'd walk out of that truck dock in a suit because everybody wore suits to church. And then when I did, I got, I got, I got the goofy stuff. Oh, what are you doing, going to prayer meeting? Oh, he thinks he's more holy than we are. And stupid stuff like that. And all I responded with was, I love Jesus. I'm not going to church just to prove I'm better than you are. I'm going to church because I want to hear about God. I want to learn things about Him. That's what I did because I raised my life around that. That's how I lived. I mean, you know, when, when everybody wears suits to church and you don't wear a suit to church, you feel like you're, you know, like you're weird. Well, now somebody wears a suit to church, they, <laughs> you know, somebody does, wears a suit, they think, man, they're weird because they're wearing a suit. You know what I'm saying? It's a whole different thing. But anyway, I just said that to say that when eternal, eternal things are real to you, you need to rearrange your schedule. And then verse 15, or verse for the year, said, If it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. That's our verse for the year. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served, on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Abrites and whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. How can you serve the Lord without going to his house? What are you going to serve out there? There's nothing to do out there. I mean, you can go to your job and you get to witness sometimes, but when you come into a church and you prepare the service for people to come in to receive Jesus, you know, I, well, I, this is Raymond Day. I mean, Pastor Dave nailed him this morning, so I can now. Raymond, hold up your hand. Amen. You know, you know who this is? This is Bernie Samples 42 years ago. This man here, this man here that, uh, was you really an atheist six months ago? Okay, that's where I was. I didn't know anything about anything. I remember I walked, I I walked in the church, not because anybody made me go to church, I started getting a desire just knowing <clears throat> I'm not living right, I'm not doing right, something's got to change. And so I went to church, I got born again, I started serving Jesus, and I look at Raymond. That's right there, who knows where he'll be 30 years from now, 20 years from now. But the thing is, I started coming to church like that, but if there hadn't been somebody at that church to open the doors to get the building ready where the preachers come in and preach, the church wouldn't have been there for me to go to. If there hadn't been people there to help collect offerings, so I could put a tithe of that offering, I could have brought my tithe there. They didn't have the online stuff back then. If there hadn't been ushers there to help keep order in the church, if there hadn't been people there to come in and vacuum the church, people turn the air conditioner on, heat on, and things like that, that's called serving the Lord. If, and I had two little girls. I got them every other weekend. If I hadn't had a Sunday school there with Sunday school teachers to turn my little girls into them, my little girls wouldn't even want to go to church with me because they'd just sit there with me and all those religious people. They wouldn't know what to do. So we had Sunday school teachers. So I'm saying that in the church, you're serving the Lord. There's so much you can do. And aren't we glad that there was a church there that had people there before me that vacuumed, cleaned stuff up, ran the sound, took up offerings, watched the little kids and taught them about Jesus. 
so I could sit there like Raymond. And I know he knows more than I did a few months ago, but I came in there, and these people talking all this stuff, and I said they're thinking, boy, that sounds good. And then people talk about something simple. Let's go to the Gospel of John. And I'm sitting there going to the table of contents. Where's John? And by the time I find John, now they're over in Exodus somewhere. Where's Exodus? And go through all that thing. Now, after all these years, all I have to do is just know where everything is. But it didn't start off that way. But what I'm saying is this. Do not despise small beginnings where you are in life right now. Just don't stay where you are. Because believe it or not, some of the people that were in that church when, they, when I first went there, I went to a funeral back in Indiana four or five years ago. A good friend of mine died, went there. And some of the leaders from that church were at the funeral home, and they were still doing the same stupid stuff now they were 40 years ago, still camped out back there. And that's what happened to Israel so many times. They camped where they were, but God was moving. And so Christians, if you're going to grow, God's going to take you up to doing more. Don't stay where you are and think God's still where he was because he's on the move. Amen. So that really, that, really, that really disappointed me that some of the people I looked up to back then because they were spiritual giants. But now the thing is, well, just, you know, I, I give stories because that's, you get older, you give stories about things. I've got it, and uh, kids, you can't hammer me on this. It's just, I don't know what else to say. I, I, got, I got a cousin that's about two years younger than me, mentally retarded. And I know there's special things, but now special needs. That's it, ladies, special needs. I know you got the special needs teachers. But that back then, that all we did was mentally retarded. And so when we were little and started growing up, he grew up like I did physically, but he stayed mentally about a two- or three-year-old. As we really got bigger in life, this kid was like one of the Browning boys. I mean, man, he got this big and this wide, and here we are like teenagers, and all of a sudden, he thinks he's still two years old. And I remember, he picked me up, and he throw me across the room. He hit a wall like that, and they let me, Buddy, I got you. And I'm sliding down the wall. <laughs> yeah, Ronnie, you got me all right. But then, spiritually, people can be retarded like that, where they, they, they quit growing. And so I saw these people back in Indiana after all those years, and I realized I'm a giant now, and they're still this tall. Well, back then, that tall to me looked that tall because I was that tall. Talk about spiritually. So spiritually, we've got to choose. We've got to choose. We want to grow and do what it takes to grow. Amen. So choices have consequences. The quality, quality of your family's going to enjoy in life is not going to happen by chance, but by choice. If I don't preach anything else tonight, get a hold of that. Your family is not going to end up in success or failure by chance, but by choice. You know, the world says, well, ain't they lucky? He's just so lucky. Look at his family. Look what his family does, man. None of them's in jail. None of them's addicted. None of them's alcoholics, and et cetera, et cetera. It has nothing to do with luck. We made choices what we was going to do. So far as me and my house, we served the Lord. We just decided what our priorities were. We built our life around that. And so anyway, uh, for you, just listen to things we're talking about. And if you want to look down the road to the future, you can predict what your family's going to be like by what you're like today. And, you know, I think about Brother Hagin. Brother Hagin pastored some, not very many years. He pastored, and he said after a few years of pastoring, he realized something, that he could predict 
what children were going to turn out like by watching how the parents behave today. Amen. And, you know, I'll tell you one thing. It'd be a good thing to remember. Don't go to church on Sunday morning to have roast pastor Sunday afternoon. What do you mean by roast pastor? Don't be chewing all over your pastor's family and talking about, what, did you see her hair today? What did you see what he was wearing? Did you see what his kids were doing? Well, he's a good one to talk that way. I know some things about him. You know what your kids are going to grow up doing? They're going to hate church, hate everything about God, because all they knew, the dad and mom made them go to church, and they acted like they liked it in front of all the church people. Then they got out of there. All they could do is find out everything's wrong with it. I wonder why it's so hot in there today. Don't they know? Well, we knew for a lot of years why it was so hot in here. But it took a lot of faith. took a lot of faith to buy all those units. Well, don't they, don't they, don't they know about... Uh, I took my kids to children's church, and they didn't even have it today. Had, 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 had one teacher up there. They just ran wild. Well, how many of you went through all that sick stuff the last few months and through all the different things the last couple of years to where it took every faith and all the willpower of these teachers get to come here and teach the kids anything? We did everything we could to take care of that. And so instead of going home and whining about it in front of your kids, you could have said, kids, let's just, let's just pray about this. What do you think about mommy starting to help out in children's church? What do, you, what, what, do you think about, what do you think about daddy? Daddy started to get there early to help vacuum because those people that do the vacuum usually, they, they've been out sick and try to take care of their kids. You know what I'm saying? And so what I'm saying is this. How you want your kids to turn out is going to be everything up to do, not what you're doing in church, but what you're going to do when you leave the church and how you talk. Amen. And what, what am I talking about? I'm talking about how to be a Christian that has a family that turns out godly. And so I think about, I look at the Garcias, I look at the Montes. I mean, I talk about about every family in here because I know you and what all you're doing. Your kids are like they are because you put Jesus first in your church life, in serving Jesus, and to do the things you are. And then we look at some other people, and sometimes they show up every few months, and when they do, they want us to pray for their kids. Why they want us to pray for their kids? Because their kids went and got goofy, and you think, well, all they're doing is acting like you. And so first thing I want to do is pray like you. We want to pray for you, Amen. Well, anyway, that's some stuff. But I, would, I just want to say a few things before I go to my next next verse I want to share. But this, it's just some thoughts on life that I see. That's Bible principles, Bible things. Number one, dad and mom need to be in agreement about the value of consistency in church attendance as scheduling life events around church services and special events. Amen. You know, you know, I think about if, you know, when you've got a good church, when you've got a good church that has people like, a, like, like the bitches coming in, you know, the ladies, to go to Pastor Dave, Pastor Katie, to hear what she's got to say and share their experiences. It's so good. When we bring people in here of like precious faith, they say things that are in agreement with the Word of God that we teach. You know, we don't like people just to say things because we think people want to hear it. Well, we're all teaching the same Bible that steps into this holy pulpit. When we're teaching the same Bible, it's going to be the same Bible, but our experiences and our personality and our, and our character and our thought process are going to come out what we present. I had a boss one time that when I got hired this new job, here's what he'd always tell the new hirees. 
He said, I want to tell you something. We're going to treat you so many different ways around here. You can bow to like one of them. And so I think about this. We're going to teach the word of God through so many different vessels. You're bound to get some of it. And so when we bring people in, and you know what? When I, when I was a young, young pastor, some things I didn't understand, but I went along with it. But now I understand it so much better. It used to bother me a little bit. When I'd be teaching on a subject, such as faith or healing, tithing, confession, walking in love, and I would teach it and teach it and teach it and teach it, and then somebody would come in and teach the very same verses I taught, and after the service, they'd be at the door and grin me, Pastor, did you hear what they said? I'd never heard that before. And I would think, I teach that every week. You never heard it before. But then I would realize that's the way we all are. That's the way we all are. I'll hear something Dr. Barclay teaches somebody else, or even Pastor Dave, or somebody's teaching something, but for some reason, somehow, different people click different ways with you, and you get it. That's why it's so good when we have a guest speaker, or, you know, we have different people in the church. We let preach on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights and different things like that. I have different men teach the men's meetings. It's so good because when somebody's teaching, it might be the same thing you've heard, but you didn't hear it. Have it, yeah, the older you get, the more you realize things like that. You heard something, but you didn't hear it. I remember, I remember one time, this, this, you know, it's good to be an older guy have the stories. We had this guy, his name was Nick, and we called him Nick the Greek because he was Greek. But anyway, he was married, he was married to just a regular, I don't know what you call somebody who's married to just a regular person, but, but I, I remember Nick, Nick, had been coming, Nick had been coming to church for a while, and I remember one Sunday morning, I was teaching, what are you laughing at? <laughs> I remember one Sunday morning, I was teaching on Born Again. And he'd been coming for a couple years. And I remember when I taught, you must be born again, how to get saved. Nick come up and got saved. Come up and got saved. And, you know, he'd been coming. And I knew he looked always kind of really, really serious and never smiled or anything. But he'd been raised in a Greek Orthodox church. And they didn't teach the kind of things we taught. And so, because I mean, he was a real Greek. They just called him Nick the Greek because we did, but he was a real Greek. Raised Greek Orthodox. His family's all Greek people, and I'm not saying anything negative. But anyway, he got born again, and when he did, I was thinking, did I ever teach born again for the last two years? I thought, I never taught anybody how to be saved. And just not too long after that, I was looking at some old notes, and I found a sermon where I taught the same message two years before that, and at the top of it said, Ad's husband, Nick's here today, and he's not saved. I thought, wow, that's the very first sermon he heard. And so I know he'd heard it in times before that, but after two years, all of a sudden, he heard it. Hey, Amen. So that's what I'm saying. It pays. It pays to come to church because maybe something that God would try to get to you, but you've been so dense you couldn't get it. And you know, when I say that point to myself and all of us, sometimes... As we're growing, as we're growing, we what Jesus said, there's many things I want to tell you, you're not ready yet. Paul said, there's a lot of things I'd like to tell you, but you're not mature yet. And so as you're growing in the Lord, there may be things your pastor or other people are teaching that they've taught a lot of other times before, but you were the place in life that you were close to it. Then all of a sudden you get it. And so maybe that'll help you understand your kids too. The more they're in, the more they'll get it. And so dad and mom need to be in agreement and get to church as much as you can.
Choices have consequences. Your family's future won't end in success or failure by chance, but by choice. Choices have consequences. Number two, and this is a biggie, as much as you can, choose to have your family hang out with sold-out Christians. How many know that fire catches? Fire spreads. Hang out with sold-out Christians. Who you hang out out with the most is who you're going to imitate the most, both you and your children. I'm so grateful that God, out of his goodness, brought me out of the samples mode where I didn't want to hang around bootleggers. Somebody said, what's bootleggers? Well, my family had a lot of real modified bootleggers. I had family from the South. I had moonshiners. I remember we'd go down to Alabama and visit, visit my dad's uncle. He was my great uncle. And they talked about down there, about there was, where they hide the booze and what they was doing to, to beat the revenueers. That, that's a true story. I was actually around people like that. I've ever been in Indianapolis when I had a great uncle on the other side, went to visit him. And I remember me and my dad and a couple of my brothers sitting there, little kids like that. And my great uncle is bragging about the police captain that he's paying off. And my dad was asking for some kind of booze or something. He says, I don't have anything here except a few six-packs and a couple quarts of whiskey because they're going to raid me tonight. And then I remember on the front page of the Indianapolis newspaper seeing my great-uncle's picture about the raid for this bootlegger's place. And he already had it paid off. He didn't care about his picture being in the paper because he had the police in his pocket. And so I don't hang out with people like that because I want something different. I hang out with Christians that are Christians. My kids hang out with Christian kids. I watch who they hang out with. And, you know, Psalms 1-1, if you're familiar with that, said, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. says you're going to be like a fruitful tree by the sides of the rivers of life, of rivers of water that can break forth fruit. Well, look at my kids. Look at a lot of your kids and your families, how they've turned out, because you watch out who they associate with. You've got to guard your kids. And you know what? I would rather offend some goofy parent that does bad things than have my kids get what they've got into my kids. I'm so grateful I've never had to pray my kids out of jail. Don't have to pray them through a court case. Don't have to pray for favor with the judge. Don't have to pray that the police won't catch them. Amen. I'm so grateful I never had to go down that road. Choices have consequences, so you need to determine who your kids' friends are going to be, who they're going to hang out with. And then reverence for God and fear for what he thinks about my choices in life, more than what your children or unsaved people or carnal, lukewarm Christians think. I'm just thinking about some of the different things in life, the, the pe people I've offended over the years. I remember even after I was already pastor, and my grandma, the one that influenced me for Jesus, was, was in her 90s. But every Sunday, once, once, every, every year, on a Sunday, they chose to have a family reunion. And my whole family got mad at me. I was the pastor of a church teaching people about Jesus. They wanted me to cut church I come around there. Grandma was a serious Christian, but all the family had their beer and stuff. Well, me come around the park to bring my kids into that while they drank the beer and did their thing, supposed to be celebrating Grandma. Grandma's sitting there wanting to talk about Jesus. They're wanting to talk about people. 
and all the different things. They got mad at me, so I just had to talk to them real up front. And they got offended, didn't like me. They did what they did anyway, threw rocks at me, spiritual stones. And so I just told them, I said, let me tell you something. And the best way I said it, their language is this. I said, is there two days on the weekend? Why can't you do it on Saturdays as you can Sunday? And then I said this, Sunday is my biggest payday of the year, of the week. I said, Sunday's the day that I do the most work for Jesus. I said, on Sunday, people come in to hear me teach the Bible about Jesus, and then Jesus pays me for teaching the Bible. And so I said, I'll tell you what, do me a favor. I said, if you get paid on Friday, you take off on Friday, and I'll come to your family reunion. I said, I'm not going to take off on Sunday because you don't take off on Friday, unless you're hungover. Hey, Amen. And so what happened? A lot of people got offended at me and my family. But over the course of the years, I've led a lot of them to Jesus one by one. I prayed for the kids when they were in trouble. I prayed for them when they were on deathbeds, and I've done all that. But the thing was, I made the right choices, and then my kids growing up learned how to make the right choices. So the thing was, uh, that family union for Grandma was nice, but was it really for Grandma? <laughs> it sounded good, but why could it have been on Saturdays, easy as Sunday? Amen. And so you got to reverence God, make wise choices, and then be stable and steady and consistent in how you live. Don't be a double agent. Your mate and your children are going to seriously be influenced by how you live, whether godly or ungodly. I was talking to Robert about this this morning. Robert and I were talking about different different things that we've seen over the years. I was telling Robert, you know something I've seen that I just really, I really understand, but people that are in it, they don't understand it. I've seen so many church people here in California and back in Indiana. Their kids grow up. They get to be 17, 18 years old. They book, they get out of there. They never come to church again. They just count, they just count the days till they're 18 so they don't have to go to church anymore. And then the parents say, well, I don't understand it. I don't understand it. Well, because I see these people in other places, and I know things, especially since we have Facebook now and other things, when I see these people on Facebook, talk or they talk, and all of a sudden you see the pictures they put on there, I don't want to say anything, but I'm glad my wife doesn't like to show what she looks like on the top on Facebook. What my, what my wife has up there, nobody needs to see but me. Somebody said, Pastor, well, I've told you why the kids turn out how they do. And so because the kids, and you know, the way I said to Robert this morning, I thought, man, I liked how that came out, is this. These kids are living like they saw their dad and mom live except on Sundays. So these kids are just doing what the dad and mom did except the kids aren't hypocrites. <laughs> Can I crawl or something to hide right now? <laughs> Amen. That's the, that's the truth. My kids did not get out of church when they turned 18. They went to Bible school. My kids... My kids, since they got mostly boys, married godly women that wouldn't be a part of the vision, wouldn't be a part of what was going on because my kids 
did not leave church on Sunday morning and say, well, we'll clock out from Jesus until next week. We'll clock back in next Sunday. Man, is this helping anybody understand how this thing works? This is for a real thing. This is for real, and, and the prize is your kids. The prize is your grandkids. And, you know, you gotta, you got to make the right choice. you got to choose. you got to choose. That. And, well, Walter and I were having a conversation this morning, too. And we've, we've talked about some of that very, very same thing about the cussing Christians. I went to, I went to an event reason, recently where there was a man that uh, said he was a Christian, a Christian leader, and during the speech he was making, he cussed. And I thought, man, the only one up here doing the talking said he was a Christian, and he cussed. The guys didn't claim to be Christians, didn't cuss. This guy cussed. And I thought, wow, no wonder Christians, Christian kids don't want to stay Christian kids. If dad and mom are like that all week long, and then they get to church, and all of a sudden they get to church, when they open their mouth, it's not blankety, blankety, blankets. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Glory to God, good to see you. Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Then they walk out there, and other words come out of their mouth. Then the kids turn 18 years old, and the kids think, man, I don't want to be a hypocrite. I'm just going to live this way on Sunday too. Amen. Does that kind of stuff help anybody? It's just, it's just things that I've learned. I've done this for a long time. Can I look at a couple more verses to help you out? I want to look at two psalms. I just quickly go through them to show you two of my favorite family psalms that I've did my best to build my life around for all my Christian life. Psalms 127 and Psalms 128. Psalms 127. And 128. But I'm going to just go through this psalm and look at some things here that I, that I think, think will help you. It's helped me. Psalms 127. You look at verse 1 and verse 2. I'll give you a chance to get there. It says this. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. What he's talking about it's not, not a natural house, but it's your house, your family, your business, your life. Anything that you do, you need to have God's plan to do it. You need to get the plan about how to raise your family. And do you know that God's already got the plan for your family? It's not Dr. Zeus. It's not Hillary. It takes the city to raise your family. It takes you. God has the plan for your family, and says anything you do not follow the plan, you're doing it in vain. And then, then he says right here, uh, verse two: It is vain for you to rise up early, sit up late. And you know, when you're raising your kids as teenagers, you shouldn't have to be sitting up all night just wondering what they're doing, who they're with, waiting for them to get home. He says it's vain for you to rise up early, sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. God wants you to be able to sleep, but he says, let him be the one that shows you how to, how to build your house, how to raise your family, and then you'll never have to worry about the safety and future of your family. You know, I never raised any of my sons to be in Christian ministry, really. That wasn't the goal. I never raised them or told any of them they need to be preachers. I raised my kids to be Christians. 
I never told any of my kids they had to go to college. Never told they didn't have to go to college. I raised my kids to be Christians. I raised my kids to be able to know in their heart by the Holy Spirit what to do. Who to marry, where to work, where to go to school or not go to school, where to get a job or not get a job. And, you know, whatever they've come to, we've always talked about things and prayed with them about things. And I, I think I can honestly say that when my kids come to me about serious choices in life as, as, as teenagers getting ready to cross over their threshold to be out on their own at different things, and then even now as adults, my kids are in the ministry. They've come about serious decisions in life. I think I've always told the same thing. Well, that'd be good, or that'd be good, that'd be good, that'd be good. You need to pray about it. Listen. You need to listen in your heart. You need to listen to what God's saying to you about what, what you're going to do. You need to know what to do by your heart. I'll pray with you, be praying for you, but you're the one who has to live with the decision. So I can't make it for you. If I make it for you, then I have to carry you. If you make it and you succeed, then praise God. If you make it and you fail, then I can help pick you up. But it's not on me that I made the choice for you. You can't blame me. Amen. And so by living that way, by living that way, it's like it says in verse 2 that we don't have sorrow. We have victory. And then notice verse 3 through 5. Children are a heritage of the Lord. They're not rugrats. They're, they're not anchors. They're not weights we're carrying. It says they're heritage of the Lord. And the fruit of the womb is his reward. As, now look at this, because this has come to pass in our life, and I alluded to it a little bit. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. As arrows are. Our children, Pastor Dave teaches about some of the different uh, weapons and things of our warfare. Our children are soldiers. They're Marines right beside us in the spiritual warfare. It's so great to be able to have the young children as we raise them, teach them how to pray. But then look at it now. Pastor Dave, Katie, Josh, Julie, uh, different ones. They're, they're strong warriors in this church. But they did what just all of a sudden one day hit them on the head, the magic baton, you're commissioned. Ah, we raised them that way. They were raised that way. It said, happy is the man that has his quiver full of them. Well, we had eight, so I don't know how much a quiver is. That's a start. Amen. They shall not be ashamed. They shall not be ashamed. They shall not be ashamed. God does not want you to be ashamed of your children. He doesn't want you to be ashamed of your children. I'll tell you one thing we've never put up with. At the grocery store, we better let our kids out of the floor throw throw fits because it wasn't some toy, wasn't some snack, wasn't something like that. Never happened. Man, I tell you what, we got to do the whack, whack, whack. Amen. Amen. I tell you what, there's nothing any more shameful than some parent in the store got a brat screaming and hollering and squealing like that and they give them their car keys to keep them quiet or their cell phone to keep them quiet like that. That's not the Bible. It starts at home. Amen. And so it says, it, it says right here, they're, they're a heritage of the Lord, and they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. They shall speak with the enemies in the gate. I'm so grateful to have sons and daughters-in-law in the church that when the church is going through things, they ought to speak to the enemy. Satan, we bind you in the name of Jesus. 
In Jesus' name, keep your hands off these church families. Keep your hands off the finances. Keep your hands off the health of the people in this church. Keep your hands off these kids in Jesus' name. Lord, we just want to thank you for your blessing. Amen. Isn't that what we want? Amen. I'm losing you. I better, I better pick this up. Isn't that what we want? Amen. And so it says, happy is the man that feareth the Lord. Okay, uh, verse 28. I will close on this one right here. I mean, chap, uh, ch- Psalms 128. Blessed is everyone that fears the Lord that walks in his ways. That fears the Lord and walks in his ways. Choices have consequences. When you fear the Lord, you go his way. Do what he wants to do. And then it says, For thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands. Happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. What's the labor of your hands? That's your paycheck. That's your money. That's what your company monetized deposits in your checking account. It says you'll eat the labor of your hands. That means that you've got more than enough for gas, no matter how high it is. You got more than enough for food, no matter how high it is. You got more than enough food, no matter how empty the shelves are. Because God knows where to get it at. Amen. And so he says that when you fear the Lord, walk in his ways, that's yours. And your wife, you never know where she'll be. Your wife, you'll never know if she's late, who she's with. Your wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house. Thy children round uh, like olive plants round about thy table. And just one little personal thing, before... Before I had a wife, when I was a Christian, serving Jesus, I started praying for a wife. It saved a couple of years, wasn't a wife. And in Psalms 128 in the Living Bible, I was a single man, didn't have any clue she even existed. I saw, just had a little vision of a table, a little round table. And then I saw children around it, had a wife sitting there. And I said, oh, Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for my wife and my children around my table. A few years later, I looked at our table. I looked at my wife. I looked at those children. I remember that psalm. I thought, wow, this came to pass. This happened in my life. And so I'm telling you, for your family, for your family, even if your children are getting older, your children can be around your table. Amen. You can eat together as a family. And so then he says, that besides... Behold, that thus shall the man be blessed that fears the Lord. The man be blessed that fears the Lord. The man be blessed that fears the Lord. Reverence the Lord. Walk in his ways. Schedule your life around his things. It says, The Lord shall bless thee out of Zion. Thou shalt see the good of Jerusalem all days of thy life. Yea, thou shalt see thy children's children and peace upon Israel. Thou shalt see thy children's children. Now watch this. This is a living example. Who am I seeing on the front row? I've seen my children's children on the front row. So grandpas and grandmas, you can see your kids and your kids' kids serving God with you. And so these things came to pass in our life. And so anyway, that's the benefits of serving Jesus up to a ripe old age, still walking in divine health, walking in divine wealth, serving Jesus, have a victorious Christian life for your family. And so I'm telling you right now, if you will do what we do, you can get what we got. It doesn't, it doesn't happen by wishing. 
our hoping, our luck. It happens by choice. That's the benefits of serving God. And so put Jesus first, put your family first, and then you're going to see God's plan come to pass for your life, and it's going to be good. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's stand up. Hey, Josh, you can't clap for me because you got your hands full, but maybe somebody else will. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. And, and, you know, I think about the Garcias. None of that was planned. Just when I was watching uh, Ray Liano worship up there in Leeds, that I just realized I had flashbacks of like 16 years ago how this family came. And I look at all of you, the same things. Amen. Cindy Grow. I tell you what, she's she's a grandma now and all the things that Cindy Grow is. But I remember when I met Cindy Grow. Cindy Grow was a prayer that comes sneaking into Victory Hall and praying with us on, was it Tuesday nights? Tuesday or Thursday, one of the T's. <laughs> but anyway, I look at Cindy, what an influencer she is as a grandma, as a wife, as a godly example to this church and so many generations of kids all over this city, all over this area. But that's, 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 that's fruit in a life. There's so many people we could have talked about today. But the thing is, you can all be fruitful Christians for Jesus. Just follow the plan. Amen, amen. Well, as we worship the Lord, if you want prayer for your family, you want prayer for yourself, prayer for anything, that's why we're here to equip you for victorious Christian living. And prayer is a powerful weapon. You know, I just, if, if we didn't have spiritual enemy called the devil, a lot of things wouldn't matter. The only enemy you'd have would be you. But because we have the devil influencing you, Sometimes you need help in those things beyond what you can do. So if you need prayer, we'd like to pray for you. We'll take care of the devil with you and believe for the Holy Spirit to work through you and you'll be able to finish what God's got for you to do. Amen. So anything you need prayer for, we worship God, come up here, and we're ready to pray. The weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. And when the darkness falls, it won't prevail. Because the God I serve knows only how to triumph. And my God will never fail. see a victory for the battle belongs to you Lord I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory for the battle belongs to you Lord there's
take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good you turn it for good you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good you turn it for good Who was blessed with the Word of God this evening? 
Hallelujah. Well, praise the man. I wrote those verses down. I'm going to be going over Psalm 127 and 128 this week. I'm looking forward to reading that tomorrow morning. Praise the Lord. Well, remember, for service this Wednesday is going to be great. And then this weekend, we got Ray and Janine Bench with us. And so let's not miss out on that. Let's take advantage of, of everything that they've got for us. And we know that it is going to be absolutely fantastic. All right. So praise God. Let's go ahead and close out in prayer tonight. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for the wonderful day that we've had with you, God, uh, getting to, to be together and getting to be with you, Lord. We thank you for a wonderful church family that we get to surround ourselves with, God. And I pray that you would help us this week to absolutely remember this word that we've received in the name of Jesus and to apply it to our lives, God. We want to be doers of the word and not hearers only. So use us this week every way possible for your glory. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, can somebody say amen? All right, let's close out by speaking some words of faith over Barstow. Let's do this. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you next time. Thank you, Susan. Uh, it's not on, Okay, thank you.